standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. It is July the 11th, 2023, episode 452. And today, today we're going to take the first step into talking about what it means or what is a faithful patriot. You see, I kind of mentioned this in passing in uh, yesterday's episode, right? The Sound of Freedom. And last week, I spent most of the week talking about, you know, our country. What does it mean to be independent? And are you a loyalist or a patriot? The underlying argument being that a loyalist is loyal, but perhaps loyal to the wrong thing. And a patriot, well, we're going to get to that. So the first thing we're going to do, if you're going to talk about a faithful patriot, you need to use the dictionary definition of both words to come up with what it is do you mean by that. In a sense, this is the same problem that plagues the term Christian nationalism, right? Everybody wants to, one, argue about the definition of a Christian, which should be relatively simple, and two, nationalism, which again should be somewhat simple to define what nationalism is, but in the context of Christian nationalism, there is a load of confusion and there's at least a half a dozen different definitions that are plausible out there. So I'm going to say from the onset, I don't know if somebody else uses the term faithful patriot. I I think I've heard a term similar in passing and, and I think I may have heard a guy by the name of John Jacob Schmidt, who is the host of Radio Free Readout, mention something similar. And this is the phrase, if you will, is going to be borrowed or in part borrowed from that gentleman. But everything else from that going on is mine and mine alone. Now, if it's duplicative or similar, that is by happenstance and Honestly, what I know about the guy, that would be a happy happenstance, right? Then that would be a lucky good thing. <laughs> there is uh, no other way to go about it. So I'm consulting the Merriam-Webster Dictionary online. So when you say faithful, it's used as an adjective. And the first definition is steadfast in affection or allegiance. The synonym being loyal. Number two, firm in adherence or promises or in observance of duty. Again, conscientious. Given with strong assurance, binding. Now, it uses examples here, uh, but if you hear the variations, you don't need, well, I'll just say loyal is a faithful friend. Conscientious is a faithful employee. Binding is a faithful promise. And true to facts, to a standard, or to an original, i.e. a faithful copy. (laughs) So what's interesting is it says it's obsolete to say somebody's full of faith. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, And then faithful is when it's used as a plural, it can be church members in full communion or good standing. It then also says the body of believers in Islam. So they're called the faithful. Interesting. And then the plural faithful or faithfuls is one who is faithful. Well, that's interesting. A loyal follower or member or a fan. Okay. So in the instance of this, when we say faithful, the 
loyal definition, the conscientious definition, and the binding uh, definition, and true to a standard, if you will, are all true. So everything about faithful is an accurate statement, right? Okay, so now that we agree that faithful is a good word, even if you don't, that's my my point of view, and it's my show. So <laughs> now we're going to go over to patriot, right? So the, the idea is there's more than one definition of patriot, of course. So patriot, and it starts with a synonym of patriot, but we're going to skip that and just go right to one who loves and supports his or hers country. That's pretty simple. Now, to be called a patriot uh, from the Greek petros, meaning one's father, is considered an honor, but it wasn't always this way. For the 17th century, to be deemed a good patriot was to be a lover of one's country who agreed on political and religious matters, whomever was doing the deeming. British loyalists applied the war word like a badge to their supporters of the ruling monarchy. But when the word took on negative connotations, it was first applied to those hypocritical patriots, those who espoused loyalty to the crown, but whose actions belayed that espousal, and then to outright anti-loyalists. So that's interesting, right? So American writers, including Ben Franklin, embraced the term patriot. And after the Revolutionary War, the term patriot settled back to a more neutral use. But to this day, they grapple both sides of the aisle grapple on what the real meaning is. Well, no, actually, I don't think we do because I don't think anybody that's left to center actually likes the term patriot. Unless they're throwing it out in a disparaging way. Now, I will say personally, the term patriot does get used a little too easily, in my opinion, and it often is misapplied. And it is often conflated to mean that I love my country, so therefore I love my government, which in modern usage in the Americas, if, if you will, we don't go there. We love our country and the government's just there. That, that's in my opinion or my understanding of what a patriot is. We, it's more like we tolerate our government. We understand that the government up to, say, 1913, no, can't even do it. Uh, 1862, yeah, I guess we'll go with 1861. Uh, the government up until 1861 stayed in its defined lane uh, and it did the basic things that it was supposed to do and largely supported and defended the Constitution. But since that time, what is it, uh, 160 years later, the federal government um, has not stayed in its lane. And I don't think any good patriot puts forth blind allegiance. That would be what we would call a loyalist. A loyalist is blindly allegiant to the powers that be. A patriot should be questioning those things. The irony being, of course, that in the 60s, the flower children and the hippies would have described themselves as good Americans and they were questioning authority and doing whatever else. But now that they're in charge, they're doing the exact thing that they accused the other side of doing only worse. How dare you question me? How dare you think that we're doing? Yeah, it's, I'm not going to get lost in this. So faithful, right? Going back to faithful, it means that we're true. It means that we're binding. It means we're conscientious and we're loyal, loyal to our country. 
And we love our country because we're patriots. So faithful also has another connotation. In this term, or in this definition that I'm creating or working with here, faithful also espouses a belief in God. Now, this is going to be a little tough because as a Protestant Christian, I'm quite clear on what I believe God is and who he is and how a proper worship should be done. But I'm going to allow that my Catholic brethren out there might differ slightly. I'm going to also allow that there's a whole lot of Protestants that differ from whatever the prevalent Baptist view might be. So there is differences of opinion, but I think we all agree as a faithful person, a faithful Christian, that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then there's some other things that are following along with that, that are pretty specific. And then beyond that, it's kind of getting into the minors, right? So what I would say is non-heretical Christianity, we're all pretty much in the same book. It might be a slightly different page, but we're in the same book, same chapter even. Right? Okay. So we're going to go forward from that. I just wanted to put that out there because when I talk about faithful, I'm including that. That's part of the calculations going on here. So if I'm a faithful patriot, then I also realize that my allegiance to God comes before my allegiance to man or man's government. So when such government exceeds its authority, ignores its restraints, abuses its power, abuses its people, and quite frankly, has no restrictions, that means that they're the problem. That means that that government is no longer the uh, appropriate government. That's the word I want to use, appropriate. (laughs) That being said, I can love my country and find fault with my government. I can love my country and despise my government. I can love my country and love my government. But let me ask you, if you're right a center, or even if you're the center, are you confident that your government gives a rip about you? Are you confident that your government has your best interests in mind or even we the people's best interests in mind? Are you confident that your government actually wants to protect these United States? And if so, why? There's tons of evidence to suggest otherwise, and I'm not trying to convince you of that at this point. I'm just saying that you have to be willing and able to understand there's a separation between country or if you prefer nation and government. Government is a creation to protect the nation. A government is a creation to protect a country. But when that government ceases to fulfill that function, the government's the problem. It's not the country that's the problem. It's not the nation that's the issue. It is the government. Now, there's been lots of philosophers that predate me that try and tackle this issue. They have all these different kinds of solutions on how that might come to be. I'm not sure that any one of them gets it 100% right. I'm not sure that I agree with any one of them 100%. But what I want you to understand is you don't have to agree entirely, but you have to agree in principle. We talked about the Magdeburg, right? If you go back into my previous episodes, I spent a number of episodes going through the Magdeburg Confessional. The idea that there is a Protestant way 
that you can say, no, government, you've exceeded your authority. There, there's an appropriate time and place to say, no, you are outside of the realm of your authority, your sphere of influence. Now, there's a, the constant refrain in most of Protestantism where you have the sphere of family, the sphere of church, and the sphere of government, right? There is some overlap, of course, but they're not supposed to dominate the others. And if they are, the family should be dominating both, not vice versa. Who you see as God is directly influencing of how you behave and treat others. Now, I know enough about Islam that I'm not Islamic. I know enough about Islam that I don't really feel comfortable that I would ever want those folks in charge of anything that I'm related to or involved in. That being said, it doesn't mean at times that we wouldn't be working towards the same ends. Same thing with uh, a lot of other religious entities or groups out there, right? We might be on common ground on certain things, but we would not be equally yoked. It doesn't benefit me to partner with you. I don't hate you. I don't despise you. I don't want to necessarily toss you out of the country or anything like that. But I just know that you're not on my team. You're not in the same book. You're not on the same chapter. So again, pivoting back to the original idea, what is a faithful patriot? Well, a patriot's one that loves their country, but they're faithful. And they're faithful to what? Their God, the country, and what it stands for, what it does, their family, and their community. So you're faithful to that and your patriot, meaning you're loyal and supportive thereof, of those four things. So, so long as the government goes along with that and the government is congruent to what those things are doing, all is well. It's when the government steps out of line. It's when the government causes problems. It's when the government ceases to do the job it ought to do. It's when the government usurps authorities and powers that it was never granted that then we have a problem of incongruence. Then we have to deal with the issue of how do we push them back? Now, those of you that have been following me for a little while know that I often talk about the idea of uh, interposition, hmm? nullification. These are not new ideas. These have been around since the founding of our country. Several of the founding fathers spoke of it. If you want to have a much better understanding of it, I strongly suggest you go read the book by Tom Woods, Nullification. If you want to have a... Uh, quicker version of that or a quick version to understand, you can go look up Chris Ann Hall. There are other people that have talked about it, including the 10th Amendment Center and Brian McClanahan. Now, these are all coming at this issue from a slightly different angle, but the idea is the federal government only has certain powers and authorities that were granted to it by the states. The states created the federal government. The federal government is supposed to be subservient to the states. Unfortunately, that whole thing has been inverted. And much like Every time we've seen an inversion, the outcome is not good for we, the people. The outcome is a negative situation. We have to deal with it. And as a faithful patriot, how do you go about doing that? Well, you got to stay faithful to God. You got to stay faithful to your community. You got to stay faithful to your, I was going to say it, but I'm going to family and for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to say your church. So you're going to be faithful to those things and loyal and support 
And when government comes into conflict with them, therein lies the rub. Now, a good patriot doesn't go out looking for a fight. A good patriot doesn't, you know, always wanting to create trouble or turmoil. A good patriot picks his battles, understands what's going on, and takes action what he must or she must. A good patriot has wisdom, chooses their time to act, builds their coalition, builds their community. Hmm? Now, we're all talking about things here that are directly relatable to both politics and the church. See, it was no coincidence that when Jesus was on earth, he took 12 guys and he discipled them. He spent immense amount of time with them for three years to prepare them for what was to come. And those 12 men, even though one failed and had to be replaced, ultimately changed the world. Now they had a little help from people that were affected by Jesus directly and them indirectly, but they literally changed the entire world. It just took 12 men who were properly discipled, which means they were trained up and they were taught the right way. And they had a good understanding for the most part of what things meant. That good understanding only came after time and learning. What I would suggest to you is this is the opportunity that you should be working through your church. You should be working through your community. You should certainly be working through your family. If they don't understand what's at play here, if they don't understand what the end goal is, if they don't understand that's a failure on us. You can't be a faithful patriot if you're not taking care of your family, if you're not taking care of your church, if you're not taking care of your community. How can you love your country if you're not doing the right thing by it? Right? There's the, there's the real crux of it. Well, everybody wants to be a good patriot. Everybody wants to claim to be a faithful patriot in theory, right? Much like Christianity, you're judged by the fruit there are a whole lot of people that I know, and I got to be honest, at times myself, I fall in this category, that espouse one thing, but live their life another way. Or they espouse one thing and fall short of their own expectations. Now, that failure is not a complete failure. You can repent and move on. Much like this, in the secular realm, if you will, of being a faithful patriot, you're not going to be able to do everything. You're not going to change the world. You're not going to have immediate results, but you have to do the work. Now I got to say, one of my frustrations is I know a lot of good Baptists and they believe it's the end times and they believe that things are just going to get worse and God's going to show back and rescue us all. We don't have to do anything. Mm, yeah. I don't think that's such a good idea. Notwithstanding whether I agree or disagree with your eschatological vote, eschatological view on this issue, we are still here to do things. We're supposed to occupy. We're supposed to put forth the word of God. We're supposed to do these things. Likewise, as a patriot, we should be building up our family. We should be building up our community. We should be building up our churches. We should be investing in those things so that we can plan for the future. But if you run around with the idea that the world's going to be over in 10 years or 20 years or this generation, of course, you're not going to invest in anything. You're not going to put any effort into anything. And that's frustrating. I myself have dealt with this issue off and on over the years. It's, well, you know, the economy might completely collapse. 
do I really want to do this? Well, you know, the real estate market might completely collapse. Do I really want to do that? Well, you know, uh, this person might win an election and that might mean this, this, and this. So do I really want to be involved in that situation? Well, I'm going to tell you that indecision, that excessive caution, maybe if you will, has probably cost me. I imagine it's cost you too. I mean, if you're expecting God's going to come back and what was it? 88. Yeah. You're pretty disappointed. Think about it. 36 or well, 35 years later, we're still here. And the guy that wrote that book is probably still making money off of it. You know, Hal Lindsey talked about the late great planet earth and you know, he made some valid points, but yeah, he was only off a few decades. My concern is if you live in a world that's always ending, you're never prepared for what's going on right now. I'm going to say that was a hard reprogramming I went through in my own brain is it doesn't matter what happens. I'm still going to be here. My daughters are still going to be here. My wife is still going to be here. How do I take care of them? How do I get them prepared? How do we do better? So if you're faithful, you're investing, you're building. If you're a patriot, it's you're doing it out of love and out of loyalty and out of devotion and you see the positive outcome. Now, I will take this as a paraphrase from the John Jacob Schmidt over at Radio Free Readout. He talked about the idea that he would like for all Christians, all conservatives to become patriots and all patriots to become preppers. Now, I got to be honest, the prepper thing is outside of my wheelhouse. I understand it intellectually. I wish I could do a better job of finding a way to implement some of those things in my life. But ultimately, I think it's a very lofty and positive goal. If you're prepared for bad times, that means you're going to do better in good times. If you're prepared for worse times, then you can be successful in not so bad times. If you're preparing to protect your family, you're going to be able to do even better still in the good times. So it makes a lot of sense. How do you do it? Well, I'm not the guy to ask. <laughs> there, uh, You can talk to financial planners. You can talk to just plain old preppers. You, there's plenty of people out there that can give you oodles of advice on how to do that and how to do it well. All I'm going to tell you is John Jacob Schmidt describes this as a evolution, if you will, of starting there as your norm, your normie Christian conservative, moving on to being a patriot and from a patriot becoming a prepper. I'm saying, well, maybe prepper's not in your future. Maybe that's something that you're not ready for or not interested to. And maybe, just maybe, you're you're not on board with the whole church thing. I get it. But you can still be a faithful prepper. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> a little Freudian slip. You could still be a faithful patriot. There is no reason why you can't be faithful to your friends, your family, your community, your church, however you want to describe it, and do it because of love. Do it out of loyalty. Be that patriot for them. There's no reason why that can't happen. It is a good way to do that, to live your life, to look at the future, to build and invest in the future. If you 
are willing to put aside the idea that the world ends tomorrow or next week or next month or next year and look at what the possibilities are, you're going to be prepared. So I hope this was helpful in wrapping your understanding around what I mean by a faithful patriot. Again, defining, right? You're going to do the right thing. You're going to be an exact copy. You're going to be loyal. You're go- or not loyal. You're going to be steadfast. Hmm? You're going to be obedient. You're going to protect. And then as a patriot, just another way of saying you love your country. And I would say you could swap out the word nation and nation and country are not the same as government or state. It's one of the things the statists have been extremely good at is programming us to understand that country equals government or country equals state. The nation is state. There's a reason why the term nation state existed for so long is because people understood inherently there's a difference between a nation and a state. We would be wise to remember that as we continue to go forward. And tomorrow, we're going to start talking about some of the things that, as a faithful patriot, you can and should be doing and how you can do it and do it well. And with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.